Hello everybody, this week I wanted to give a little bit of a disclaimer before we really got into the review of My Octopus Teacher. Um, I don't really want to speak for Travis here, um, but we're usually pretty similar in our, our takeaways with a lot of these movies. Um, I know that we can be a little cynical at times, uh, we definitely teetered on the on the cynical side as we're, as we're uh, reviewing things. So I just wanted to kind of give a, a warning before we got into this documentary that if you have any real interest in seeing it, I would definitely encourage you to go watch the movie before you listen to us talk about it and examine it. Uh, it is a very unique experience. Um, we'll get into it in the actual review. I just, I've never really watched a movie or documentary like this before. And I really don't want anybody to, to walk into it kind of with a tainted opinion. If you had any interest in, in doing this, um, it's definitely something that I think if you're, you're more wholehearted, um, you'll probably get a lot more out of it than necessarily I did uh, as I was watching it. Again, don't want to speak for Travis. Um, it's one of those, I, I definitely wish we had a, a third person or like a guest on here that we could have with, that is a little bit more wholehearted that could have kind of talked about it. Um, cause it is, uh, I really would have loved to have gotten the opinion on, on kind of the, the love story that's kind of intertwined through the documentary. Um, with that said, by all means, we hope you come back if you're going to leave, if you're not buckle in, cause I think this is going to be a fun one. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to make sure we got that out there before we dove into this one. Cause this is a, uh. This is a very, very unique movie. So thank y'all, and uh, let's get started with this. Hello, you've reached the voicemail of Travis Santana. If you were looking to reach the Hollywood Chop Chop, please hang up and dial 555-864-31. Any other personal messages? Leave a message after the tone. Hey, Travis. Uh, that's funny. You gave him my cell phone number. You could have just given him the number to the shop. Uh, just trying to get a hold of you. Where you been? Uh, kind of uh, the repairs are piling up. So uh, hope to see you back in the, in the shop soon. reached the voicemail of Travis Santana. If you are looking to reach the Hollywood Chop Chop, please hang up and dial 555-864-31. Any other personal messages? Leave a message after the tone. Uh, Travis, it's been about two weeks. Still haven't heard from you. Uh, I'd say I'd worry, but I'm not. I just uh, need to know if I need to get some temps or something. Get, get a couple extra hands. Shit's piling up. reach the voicemail of Travis Santana. If you are looking to reach the Hollywood Chop Chop, please hang up and dial 555-864-31. Any other personal messages? Leave a message after the tone. All right, you motherfucker. Two months? I, are you? Did you quit? Did you quit? I don't, I don't know what the fuck you're doing, uh, but there's work to be done. Uh, if, if that's too much for you, maybe we should just close up the shop. You know, it's, it's starting to feel like too much work for you. I don't, I don't know, but, uh, yeah, uh, hopefully I'll hear from you soon. Hello, you've reached the voicemail of Travis Santana. If you are 
Looking to reach the Hollywood Chop Shop? Please hang up and dial 555-864-31. Any other personal messages? Leave a message after the tone. Alright, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I just, well, I need you back at the shop as soon as possible. Like, uh, water under the bridge, don't know where you are, but at this point, um, really, I'm, I'm kind of in over my head. Uh, you know, I'm not really the people person. People are asking, they're calling, they're looking for their vehicles. I don't know what to tell them. Uh, maybe, maybe I can take a little vacation after this and see, and see how you fare. Okay, you son of a bitch. Craig Foster, a documentary filmmaker suffering from a midlife crisis, embarks on a journey of self-discovery through the dense kelp forests of South Africa. While trying to cope with the, his life devoid of love, Craig begins to detach from his family and reality while entering into an unlikely affair with an eight-limbed mollusk from next door. Day after day, Craig continues to dive deeper into her world and a story you'd have to see to believe. This week, we're reviewing My Octopus Teacher, we are your cinema mechanics, Brett Mosier and Travis Santana. And as always, Travis, I'm going to hand it off to you for, uh, for our initial diagnostic of this movie or documentary. I don't. Do you call documentaries movies? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I think I, I would consider documentaries movies. I also um, see that you've tipped your hand a little bit <laughs> just by that plot description. And. Um, <laughs> Boy, I think this is going to be a very interesting discussion. I don't know that it'll fit in our normal format of movies because this is... Uh, it's cliche to say it's more of an experience than a movie, but I think it is that. Um, I will say on first view, I was completely taken away with this movie. I thought the emotions ran high. I thought it was beautiful. Um, you know, there might have been moments in my personal viewing where the dust levels in my apartment increased up to unstable levels which might have caused uh you know some emotions from me uh it was the second viewing when i kind of started analyzing this more for what was going on potentially outside of the ocean um but i, I think that we'll dive into that later but just at first glance and like you said in, in the disclaimer if you're looking for something that feels good and is encouraging about nature and the beauty of nature you you will enjoy this movie uh just be careful because if you take out the magnifying glass you might start having some more questions which i certainly do uh maybe you do as well and we can get into those questions but i enjoyed this movie quite a bit um what about you i i enjoyed it it is the the biggest fault i had with this movie and I, it's ironic with me saying a disclaimer that if you have interest in it go see it before you watch this is the fact that i didn't know what the fuck i was about to watch before i watched it because <laughs> there is definitely the moment in the movie where i'm like where is this going like i i have it like in my notes like this to me this this wasn't far off from being a mockumentary like it wouldn't take much to make this into a mockumentary as i was watching it um but i did I thought it was one of the most unique documentary or movie experiences I've I've ever seen, which is why I believe it won its Oscar. Um, it is definitely like I have I have seen countless movies. I love documentaries. I have never seen anything like this. It is I don't want to say bizarre because I think that gives the wrong connotation. It is just you are in for an interesting ride because I uh, again it. 
I am much more cynical, I guess, in this front than you are because the whole time I'm watching it, I'm almost like jaw dropped, like what the fuck is happening? And I think that kind of got in the way of me being able to enjoy the the beauty of the relationship because <laughs> and maybe I have a different perspective because the movie starts off with him establishing that <laughs> he has a wife and child and he's having a hard time connecting with them. He's he starts off the movie describing how he's like in such a bad position and all that. And I looked over because, you know, like most times I'm watching the movie with my my wife, Kate. And I look over, I'm like, he's just describing a midlife crisis. He's literally just describing a midlife crisis, but he's making it sound like it's something more than a midlife crisis. And I don't know, maybe the the whole him like having to like, I, it, it almost feels like he's abandoning his family because he can't cope with life and with them. And he's just basically kind of taking him off, himself off to the, to the ocean. And I think that kind of already gave me kind of a, a negative point of view on on craig foster to begin with because i'm just like you son of a bitch like you have responsibilities you have a family like how can you kind of just abandon them to the south african kelp forest so i think that that didn't help me going into the movie but that gives a little bit of background and perspective as to how i'm coming into this versus i think how you came into it yes you said a lot of interesting things there and I and I want to cover a couple of them. But first, I want to say when you describe the fact that this movie skirts the line between documentary and mockumentary, it also skirts the line between documentary and uh, the other Oscar-winning film, The Shape of Water, uh, because at times it really feels like romantically. Uh, I'm sorry, what did you say the diver's name was? What was his name? Craig Foster. Craig Foster. At times. To your point at the beginning, when he describes the struggle that he's going through, gosh, is that brief. Like, it feels like that's a minute and a half of just very vague language that doesn't really mean anything. It, Like, I, I, I barely knew if he had a wife. It seemed like she was covered so little in this movie. And it was kind of just like a, yeah, I'm kind of checked out of my life as a, a father and as a husband. And, you know, spending... God knows how many hours a day in the ocean has made me connect to my family, which just I thought was very bizarre. And, and I know that we're going to get into it more. But, yeah, even as I'm not a family man myself, but right away I was like, wow, we are really just skipping over the fact that this man has a family and going straight into why spending 300 plus days in a row doing this, studying an octopus is somehow healthy and, and makes him reconnect. I don't know bizarre setup right away if you really look at it well not only that but the the movie sets up with the implication that the octopus is killed by the sh by by sharks or is, is, is killed right like it would did i was that wrong with that like i was like oh they've set this up where the, the octopus dies like and i was no, like you're right it, it annoyed me because it felt like i was watching when you watch a new trailer on youtube these days you have the the 10 second trailer which then shows you what's going to be in the minute and a half trailer and at the beginning yeah that's what i felt like the movie set up that it was going to be killed by a shark the octopus would be killed by the end of the movie by a shark yeah so i uh yeah, I just that that the the beginning sequence again. It I don't feel it. It really honestly prepares you for what you're. And I get like because he goes into this whole thing about how him and his brother like they did a documentary where they they you know they watched these trackers and they were so in tune with nature and they they make a callback when, which is one of my least favorite parts of the movie. I we're probably gonna skip over a lot on all over the place with this one just because there's there's so much that happens in this movie. It's it's honestly kind of hard to come car. God damn it. 
compartmentalize. And not only that, I think a lot of it feeds into one another. So it, it's not as easy to make these clear divides like we've done before. But like one of the things I thought was like he at times, like when I'm talking about the mockumentary, he gets into these cheesy lines where like he's he's like, oh, I wonder if I could track the octopus underwater. I'm like, no, like it's a three dimensional plane. The octopus can fucking swim. Like it, it's like it's trying to make a callback to the trackers. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I know because, oh, to give a little, you know, background to the, to the listeners like at a certain point he scares the octopus off and he has to try and find it again i assume it's in the same general area but like he basically describes like how he was hunting like looking at shells and like patterns in the ground to discover the octopus and i'm like you're full of shit like you didn't do this it's just it's something interesting to say in the documentary this that, and the other but um ultimately the worst line in the entire thing when he's talking is he's talking about how he has to find the octopus and i look at caitlin i'm like i hope to god he doesn't say like i had to think like an octopus and within seconds he goes but i had to get into the mind and i had to start thinking like an octopus and i'm like oh my god like this is this has just become a fucking cheesy mockumentary at a certain point and like that's where i get it it, it it's so weird because it it teeters back and forth and then uh, you know the way he describes his relationship with the octopus, we will get into that in a minute because I want to give you a chance to talk because like I think that's going to be the meat of of what we talk about here, and it is just wow. I just <laughs> the, the the way he well, talks about the octopus. I don't I don't want to tip my hand too early and be too over the top and crass, but to your point, you know, there's a time where he starts talking about. Again, we're going to jump around, but he's talking about how it's all over, you know, after the end of the movie and his life post this adventure. He's talking about how he's almost grateful that it's over because it took such a mental toll on him to think like the octopus, to be an octopus. And to your point, like, it's not like he's Jacques Cousteau, you know, going to the bottom of the Mariana Trench looking for something. It later, at one point in the movie, it's kind of implied that this is almost like relative to you find a bunny in your backyard. Like maybe you have a pretty big backyard, but you find a bunny, you scare that bunny, the bunny's going to relocate, but you know that the bunny only stays in your backyard. Mm -hmm. So it's it's not a great adventure to find her, which I think is what you're saying. But yet he makes it like, you know... He's in the you know the fourth season of True Detective, uh, and this time we're focusing on on, on canvassing the, the ocean around this area. It's just a matter of hey, she probably relocated from here to thirty yards over here, but again to the point where he is just so enveloped in this relationship with this animal. Who it's funny to me that it's literally the common octopus. Like this is not some a sort basic of bitch. <laughs> <laughs> but i have a conspiracy theory concerning that part the fact that it's just a just a basic octopus but yes it is a little bit unsettling how enveloped he becomes in this especially given that he has a wife and a child at home is your conspiracy theory that it's a different octopus that he finds and it's just octopus are curious in nature uh yes uh, i'll go i'll go a little more nefarious in that that Maybe he believes that it's the same octopus the whole time, but ultimately he just shot a lot of shit <laughs> involving one or more octopi, octopi. octopuses. <laughs> I don't know. And then documentary filmmakers came back and was like, hey, we can piece together a, a narrative here. 
and that's what happened. I, I cannot believe, especially given the fact that uh, I, I'm jumping all over the place, but he's a scuba diver without a tank, meaning do we ever find out how long he's able to stay under the water at one time? Is that covered? No, but I would imagine, I, I mean, we could look it up, but I think the longest anybody can is like a, a couple minutes at, at the most. Well, let's see. I'm, right. And go ahead and look that up. I'm going to I'm going to fill for a second. But he's also in abnormally cold water, which he covers at the beginning. And yet all of this great footage he's able to acquire stuff where he has to leave either for a moment or two to catch his breath or leave overnight. And yet he's coming back and always capturing this stuff. Again, my, my conspiracy senses are tingling. He can hold his, according to the Googs, he can hold his breath for six minutes. Which is impressive, and I believe that he can, but even if you hold that true, I, I don't believe that he can come up after six minutes, take a couple of breaths, and go back down for another six minutes. So just a lot of this footage in here, I just am very curious of when it was actually filmed and how it fits in with the narrative that this movie is asking us to believe. And well, not only that, the, the footage is like, it feels like, I mean, he doesn't have a zoom lens on that thing. It looks like it's just a fish. And I'm like, some of those shots are like up in the, the, the octopus or like the pajama shark's face and stuff like that. I'm like, there's no way that like how he talks about how he didn't want to disturb anything, which I'll get into again in a minute. There's no way he was that close to this stuff without causing it. So it's like, this is clearly just a bunch of random found footage. And then they are accompanying it to his narration of what he claims happened. Cause there's, there's no way like when the pajama shark attacks her that he was that close and the pajama shark wasn't startled or, or didn't bolt off, you know, like there's times where like the shark almost like hits the camera and I'm like, that shark is not going to get that close to him for him to get those shots. Yeah, and at times he even points out that uh, the octopus is using him as as a as an aid as an ally in her pursuit of things mm -hmm. so even by him doing that he's forcing an unnatural interaction with nature and yeah like to your point there's times where he's up in the crevices if we're to believe that he's actually shooting this which i again some of this stuff i'm not entirely sure that he shot but when he's up in the crevices of where the pajama sharks live and he is literally it seems the camera's inches from them you can't tell me that you're remaining a neutral mm -hmm. observer in this. So that's a great transition for um, what I will just, you know, come out and say. Craig Foster is a super fucking shitty friend. And I can only imagine an even worse lover and father um, based off of his interactions with the octopus. Um, and my justification for this is... He essentially has an affair with the octopus. Like the way he describes his relationship with the octopus is the way you would describe your relationship with a lover. Like it is it is insane to the to the levels of in detail he describes, but when he goes into this, there are two moments in the in the film where I'm just like distinctly like I would not want to be Craig Foster's friend. Um because he gets in there and the first time the octopus is attacked by the pajama sharks his 
his reaction is that he wants to inter interfere and stop it, but he chooses not to. And I'm just like, the way you have described your relationship with this octopus is like, it is like a best friend or a lover. And I'm just like, there's no way you could become a neutral party and stay out of that. Like, and not only that, he's like, you know, cause I didn't want to interfere with the natural selection of things of the kelp force. I'm like, you've been there for fucking a hundred days. You, the octopus is comfortable with you enough that you've probably put her in danger. And I'm like, how are you going to sit there and say that you haven't already influenced what the fuck is going on here for you to sit there and say, like, this is where I decided to draw the line, where something that I've become super attached to, I've decided I'm going to allow a bunch of sharks to rip it apart. Like, it's just, it's insane to me. And I'm like, if that's the way you react, I'm like, I wouldn't want to be your friend. I wouldn't want to be, like, being mugged in an alley. And Craig is standing there with the gun. He's like, well, this is this is the natural order for them to, like, stab you and take your stuff. So, like, I'm just going to let it play out here. Like, fucking do something man yeah and, and i mean i i did a, a decent amount of research on this movie just because i thought it was so interesting uh there's a there's one point where the octopus is attached to his hand as he has to go up for air and she rides his hand pretty much to the surface which your point that's very problematic because i'm sure she did do that out of a curiosity out of like a, oh i trust this this being whatever it is but that also for her to ride to the surface part of the reason that octopus stay along the bottom of the ocean is because they can camouflage their top half if they expose their bottom half that's fair game and if she's riding it all the way to the top even if it's only 15 20 25 feet of water she's taking a tremendous unnatural risk by riding his hand to the top because ultimately after she detaches it goes back down she's on her own to get back to her den she's exposed herself in an unnatural way so yeah he comes off as a hypocrite many times in this movie yeah um and like the other things i was thinking about like as i'm watching again i like i affirm like I'm not saying it as a joke. Like, he legitimately, to me, has an affair with the octopus. Like, again, it, yes, it's not a sexual thing. Like, there was a moment where I'm, I'm sure there's some lost footage where maybe he allows the octopus into his pants. I don't know, again, the way he talks about it. But the way he talks about his relationship with the octopus and his obsession and the fact that, like, again, you said he was relieved when, when ultimately she passes away at the end of the movie. It's, it's one of those things where I'm like, what does your wife think of this whole thing? Like, to me, like, I just, that's absolutely bizarre to me. I'm like, you're literally having an emotional affair on your wife with a fucking octopus. And I'm like, and again, that's where I go into this. This movie's an experience because I'm like, I don't know how you say that to somebody without them being like, what the fuck were you actually watching? I'm like, no, you don't understand. That's literally like, this isn't, this is a documentary about a man who has an emotional affair with an octopus. And that, to me, is what and, this movie is. And uh, it would be harder to think that if the wife had any sort of involvement in the movie. Again, the movie just literally, it spends maybe in total three or four minutes on. Situation. Uh, what is it? Craig Foster? Is that what you said his name? Craig Foster? Yeah. Still there? Yeah. Can you say that again? Uh, yeah. Craig Foster's his name, right? The guy. Yeah. You, how much time did it spend on him? That's the part that we lost. Okay. All right. So, all right. I'll, I'm going to take it. You ready? Mm -hmm. All right. Three, two, 
So Craig Foster, how much time does it actually spend on him and his family? Because again, I know I touched on it in the beginning. It just uses very vague language. He was, like you said, it's just a midlife crisis. But the way that they frame it is, you know, I was just, you know, I was having a problem. You know, I was under so much stress. Like, what what was the stress? Because he doesn't know what his next film is. Mm. Like, I could believe that if he doesn't know what his next film is and all of a sudden this octopus presents itself and, okay, this is my movie. But it doesn't feel like that. Like you said, it just feels like he's searching for something in his life and he's found a new woman. It just happens to be an octopus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, he he starts off by saying, like, I wasn't able to be there as a father or something like, you know, I, I was so, uh, you know, distressed and distracted and all that. Like, the only shot of his wife, and I don't even honestly know if it was his wife, is basically a depth of field shot where, like, her and his son are in the background blurred out. And that's it. Like, I, by the end of this movie, I assumed he was divorced. Because he, he kind of wraps the movie up talking about how he uh the the thing he learned from the octopus is here i have the exact quote of what he said because i i thought i would need it. he goes foster describes the effect of the mentorship like relationship the octopus provided him teaching him a lesson on the fragility of life and humanity's connection with nature this transfers to foster's creating a deeper bond with his son as his son develops as a diver and marine life student it still does not bring up his fucking wife, which, according to my research, he's still with. Or he's with a woman I like, who was a part of kind of the project. And I'm just like, it, again, the whole thing with it feeling like a confair is like he never brings up his wife whatsoever, his partner in this movie whatsoever. As he is at a certain point, he talks about like, yes, I was in love with the octopus. And I'm like, what about your wife, dude? What about your wife? Have, have you confirmed through your research that the wife he is with now is the same wife? Because, I mean, this, I have this not, footage is I ha from 2010. This is like 10 years in the making. I have not been able to confirm that the woman he's married to now is not the mother of his child. Yeah, so, and that tracks. I, I believe. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't. Again, we're making assumptions after that because I made the same assumption. But I'm like, I cannot find anything about him. Like when he got divorced or if his previous wife was mauled by a tiger during a different uh, documentary or what. But I'm like, yes, it is. It is crazy to me how little his wife comes up in this documentary. Well, I'm going to save my theories for the chop shop in, in regards to that. So um, if you have more on the wife and the relationship, feel free to go into it. Um, if not, I, I do think we should talk about just the story of the octopus. If we are to believe that all of that is reality, but did you have anything else on the, on the marriage situation? Not the marriage situation. No, not, not specifically. So removing Craig Foster being a potential weirdo, allegedly maybe, We'll get into that. Listen, but. whether it's a beautiful story or not, he's still a fucking weirdo. By by definition, he is weird compared to what a normal person would do here. Not saying that's a bad weird, it is, but it is by definition weird. I agree. And the, and the person I was watching the movie with, I told her, I was like, he is very weird, but sometimes some of the best science is only discovered because people are willing to be weird. So I don't... <laughs> I do not judge him for that at all. Mm -hmm. uh, again, we need those kind of people that are that curious, that are willing to up, you know, you know, throw an upheaval into their life to explore. But yeah, it, it's not what you would say normal. But 
as far as his discoveries, his interactions with the octopus, the stuff that he shot, what did you think about that, removing the, the, the human element? I mean, that was some of my favorite parts of the... I thought there were some really awesome shots. I think, apparently, like, while doing this, I think he discovered, like, six species of shrimp. I think I read... That's, you know, I can... I can't confirm that right now, but I believe I read that in my research. I read that as well. Um, I thought the, the footage was really great. Um, I thought, actually, the score that accompanied the the documentary at a certain point i thought it might have actually been hans zimmer or hans zimmer related because it felt like the the interstellar soundtrack to me yes. i i was like if this wasn't zimmer or simmer zimmer wannabe it's like somebody listened or watched interstellar right before they wrote the score to this which is great i love the score to interstellar that's not a shot against it but it's like it is very like emotional and dramatic and it is a it's a wonderful score it is just immediately made me think of like i feel like i am watching like an underwater interstellar yeah i had several goosebump moments with the score and the way that it accompanied the visuals absolutely um which again supports the idea of this being a love story between him and the octopus (laughs) the score yeah no 100 percent, and i don't Gosh, I don't, I don't think it really shies away from it too much. But um, some of my favorite moments, it, again, one of the moments I loved, if I just appreciate it from a naive eye, but then if I look at it through a cynical eye, my, my view kind of changes. But uh, the, the setup where he first meets the octopus, where she's got that kind of that defensive shell that she builds with the, the seashells and she gets into kind of a ball. Mm hmm. And then we revisit that during, I think it's the second shark attack, and he has to come up for air. And then when we return, she's in that shape. She's riding the body of the shark. Do you remember that scene? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think that scene was beautiful. And, like, I just hope that that's exactly how it went down. It's just the way he has to come up for air, which then creates natural edits in the footage. I'm just like... It seems like quite a jump from her to go from I'm getting in this defensive position to I can be in that defensive position and be on the shark's back. Like, I just wish we could have seen in between mm-hmm. because the cynic in me is like, how much is this manipulated? Right. And I wish I didn't even have that little voice in my head because everything we see is just so beautiful. But I'm just like, how much has this footage been massaged and, and edited and worked over? Well, not only that, just the narrative, because I mean, again, this is a documentary, but the way this documentary is structured, it is structured like a narrative, like a, a romantic narrative. So it's one of those, I'm like, how much of this, cause that created natural tension in what was going on there. Like you didn't know if like when he came back down, was it going to be, she was being, like basically taken off in a shark's mouth was it done like was she was that going to be she's gone and i never saw her again like i can only assume that the shark got her I'm like it created natural tension to the point where it's like okay this is like in a narrative like this is where you would want to create that tension is this a false kind of tension that was created simply for the you know to, to keep the audience on it on a, the edge of its seat Yes, that's that's the perfect way to say it. Narratively, it just felt too clean, even down to the this is a lover situation. The fact that he kind of walks in on her with another <laughs> I can't even say another man because it's not another oh, man. It's are you a talk- fucking octopus. Are you talking about the octocuck scene? 
Yes, yes, <laughs> please go ahead. Please. Oh yeah, the octocuck scene where he swims down one day. This is after the the, the second shark attack where she survives. And uh, he comes back to her another day, and he finds a male octopus is in her den. And he talks about, you know, how... I, I have to look at my exact notes, because I'm like, this, again, I, I literally wrote Octocuck. <laughs> he was talking about the excitement of seeing her mate, because on one end, he, like he's excited because she's found a mate, but at the other end, he's also like, it's bittersweet because he's done so... He you know admits he's done so much research on the common octopus. He knows ultimately what this means. Because uh, here's your your biology lesson uh, for today. Apparently, uh, octopus are the are a uh, type of species that basically fucking die. That's that's their thing. So the male octopus will do will uh, what is it? Deposit his sperm sac into the female octopus, at which point he dies shortly after that, um, and then the female octopus will uh, basically lay all of her eggs in her den and then she basically dies to both of them die essentially of starvation because once they reproduce um there's i guess a hormone or something that activates in them and they lose their appetite and basically just starve to death and that's that's an octopus's life um so yeah it's like he's talking about how it's bittersweet because he's like oh she's it's a mate she you know she's she's gonna reproduce but at the same time he knows that this is this is the end you know, because before that, he talks about like, oh, you know, I, you know, I've been with this octopus for 80 percent of her life. And I'm like, I was like, how the fuck does he know that statistic? And it's like, oh, because they live for about a year and he knew when she died. So it, it was definitely like, again, so fucking weird. And then uh, did you have anything else you wanted to say about that before I jump into like basically what that leads into? Uh, Just really quick, it the way he narrated it, it was there was a little bit of naivete about the way he described it. He was just like, you know, it's so rare to see, you know, two octopus near each other like this. And I'm like, I'm watching. I'm like, yeah, dude, they're going to fuck. And then he's like, <laughs> you know, and I observed closer and, and, and both of them were very calm. You know, they didn't seem to be agitated. And I'm like, yeah, dude, they're going to fuck. And then he's like, and then I finally put it together. And, you know, I was happy, but I was sad. He just sounds like, even though he's got a kid and a wife, he just seems so sheltered. And the way he's describing it, like you said, it was almost a cuck situation. And like, he seems, okay, she seems to like that man. Oh, that, that man is... Oh, taking off her clothes. She doesn't seem alarmed. Oh, oh, I guess they're going to fuck. Well, I guess I'll just sit here and watch. Yeah, I mean, that was the vibe I got. So I didn't quite articulate it to the level you did, but it makes perfect sense. Yeah, he's an octopus cock. <laughs> um, which uh, that, that just kind of hints at a little bit. But that was one of my biggest complaints about the movies. I know it's his story. I wish he was not narrating it. I do not. His monotone, just kind of softness. There's... I can't. I, I feel feel weird saying this. There's so much passion in this movie that I feel like is lost because he's the narrator, you know, about what's going on. And he's just it feels like so nonchalant and just kind of casual about what's going on. Um, but uh, see, let me let me. I, I don't mean to cut you off. I disagree with that in part. I think his his passion helps me appreciate this movie. The problem I have is he's so passionate that he makes it too personal. Mm -hmm. He makes it like 
he's just telling you about his love affair with one individual. Whereas at the, at the end of the movie, they try to do a quick, like in the last 10 minutes, like, oh, this is about saving the ocean in general <laughs> or saving the kelp forest. It's like, I understand that, yeah, that's the spin you have to put on it so it doesn't look like you're just masturbating to octopus photos every night. But the movie that you made is 88 minutes of just your love affair with this octopus, two minutes of the fact that you have a family, and then two more minutes of like, oh, oh yeah, save the ocean or something. Yeah. I, I had the same note. I said that the whole thing with this sun and the save the ocean felt tacked on at the end. Like, well, we can't just make a documentary about a man who loves an octopus. So let's we have to give some kind of, you know, call to action here. But as I say, is after the octocuck scene, I don't know if you got this. Or not, it felt like Charlotte's Web. I was like, oh, we're going into the Charlotte's Web portion of the documentary where it's like, oh, she's going to die while giving birth to all of her young. And then I'm like, I said, oh, it's going to be like Charlotte's Web. And then literally the next scene is like, and then I found a baby octopus. And like, it was about the same age it would have been. And like, all I could think is it was a little bit of her. And I'm like, oh, it literally, he literally just went with the Charlotte's Web route. He just, he decided to go (laughs) full Charlotte's Web. (laughs) Yeah, it just, it just feels so just tacked on and unnatural. To your point, it just feels like, a couple of documentary filmmakers found this guy, had all this amazing footage, cut it together, and then they were in a room screening it for a bunch of people, and the lights came up, and they were like, so, did this guy ever try to fuck the octopus? <laughs> and then everybody's like, oh, shit. Okay, the wrong message is, is coming here. We, we've got to put, we've got to shoot five or ten more minutes of voiceover just to frame this differently. And, and that's the thing. It's, it's still a beautiful movie. It's just when you really stop to think about it, it's like it just seems like this guy stepped out on his family for a year to have an affair with an octopus. Yeah. And, yeah. And again, to, to, to go back to the him being a terrible, shitty friend, like Asso, you know, we discussed there, she has the children, basically her lifeless body. According to the way he describes it, she's just too weak crawls out of her den and is just weak out there and he's watching her be picked apart alive by fish and i'm like i'm sorry i know you're a naturalist whatever the fuck you want to say but i'm like if the way you have described your relationship with the octopus is like no i'm not going to allow you to be eaten alive and picked apart by fucking fish and then he's like the next day i came back and a shark got her and i'm like how the fuck was her body there for an entire fucking 24 hours and secondly yes yes and secondly, I'm like, again, what the fuck is wrong with like you literally loved this creature. You're you're tearing up as you're talking about it in this documentary. I'm like, I'm sorry. I would have grabbed the body and had a fucking funeral if it were me. I just maybe that's weird. But I'm like, I would have fucking buried it somewhere or like I would have had some kind of send off aside from I'm going to watch the thing be eaten alive. Yeah, that's where my on the second watch, my conspiracy antennas really raised up i was like again you're telling me that she kind of just padme amidala from star wars lost the will to live after she had her babies and she's just kind of she's alive but she's drifting out to sea and she's being picked on by little fish that's fine that's natural i believe that that would happen but again, the problem I have is this guy is supposed to then leave the water, and he literally says the next day big shark came. So presumably you got out of the water, went back home. Again, I, I'm presuming a lot, but you laid down next to your wife. <laughs> she Cried. was probably already asleep, yeah, yeah. And, or just rolling her eyes as you came in at 3 o'clock in the morning. Being like, well, hope, hope. 
octopus is okay. And he's sitting there laying there all night just thinking like, yep, my octopus love is on the bottom of the ocean right now just getting fed upon. <laughs> and then he's able to arrive the next day and, and presumably, hey, maybe he spent 10 hours there waiting for the right shot. But if that's the case, then he's just training his camera on the corpse of his octopus love to watch the shark take her away. Like, that's why I was just I just felt like, nope, this shit is is highly manipulated narratively, mm-hmm. even if this guy is weirdly obsessed with a mollusk, as he says. Yeah. And even for him to sit there and be like, that was the natural way of things. I'm like. Again, my problem with that is, again, narrative or not narratively, the way he's described it the whole time, like, that's not a human reaction if to let her be eaten like that. And then for him to be like, because it's not the natural way. And then the movie literally ends with it saying, like, he doesn't dive alone anymore. And there's like 10 fucking people swimming through the fucking kelp forest together. I'm like, oh, because I'm sure that that's going to help the natural conservation of the fucking area, having a whole bunch of people swimming through this zone. I'm like, go fuck yourself, dude. Like, seriously, like that is doesn't even make any sense with what your whole your whole point is. Yeah, and he even goes to the point when she's first attacked, he's talking about like, you know, I felt like I caused this. Was she out only because I was down there? Maybe she was, maybe she wasn't. But if you think that's possible, yeah, okay, the the answer is not, let's bring a field trip next time. <laughs> so, but, uh, I mean, that's, that's, that was mainly what I wanted to get through with this, so I <laughs> I don't know. The The only other thing I really had is, I, I guess, you know, in, in trying to go back to our traditional format, like if, if you know, the, the aftermarket, if, if there's anything I would really change about this movie other than I thought his voice, I was a little soft for me. I, I, I could have used a little bit more passion again because I felt like this is the whole movie was basically just him doing commentary over the relationship. And I could have used if there was just going to be that I could have used more of an announcer voice, you know, radio announcer voice. But um, the biggest thing I want is like, I honestly felt like this document in an age where I've seen Tiger King, there was a multi-episode basically documentary. I'm like, I needed more. I needed more perspective. I wanted to know what his fucking wife was going through during this whole time. I want to know what his son was going through this whole time. Cause I'm like, yes, they're focusing on this really great relationship. But I'm like, I want to see the other side of the coin because I'm like, it just feels like, like you said, he very briefly goes into, I had a midlife crisis, and then the rest of the movie is, I said, fuck all to the world, and dove with an octopus for 300 days. I'm like, th- what else was going on? Like, there has to be more, because I'm, and, and to go on with this, you know, narratively, I'm like, it reminded me a lot of, almost like the the movie, I don't know if you've seen it, with Ryan Gosling, Lars and the Real Girl, which is essentially a, a man has a relationship with what they call real dolls, which is a life-size doll of a woman. And basically he, you know, imprints a personality onto her. And it's a lot of the movie is kind of a community in his family, kind of how they are coping with him, coping with being awkward and having this relationship. I'm like, that to me would have been way more interesting in this documentary. It's like, okay, half of it is him and his relationship and this affair with this octopus. I want to see how, what, what ripple effect that's having through his life and the people around him, which you don't get their perspective at all. Even his son, I don't think says a line in the doc. Like no. he brings him up a couple times. And at the very end, there's footage of him, but he never says a fucking thing about what happened. And I'm just like, it feels like I want to know what else was going on during this 300 days of, of filming with the octopus. Yes. Because again, I I'm projecting and I'm assuming a lot, but 
this movie posits that it's it's such a feel good moment for him because this allowed him to connect with his son, and now his son dives with him. What I wonder about is what what does the son think about all of this? Is the son only interested in diving because he came to the point and realized, you know what? If I'm ever going to connect with my father, I guess I have to get into this diving thing because he's out here 300 straight days instead of worrying about his family. This clearly is something that he cares about. So the whole positive spin on, okay, my son is out here doing this now. I'm not saying that it's not true. The son may have a passion for it, but I could also just believe that the son was like, well, either I don't have a father or I get into diving. Yeah. Well, there's the whole scene, too, where apparently he introduced his son to the octopus. And I'm like, oh, son, this is your step octomommy. <laughs> I'm just yeah, like, this, this has to be so I don't fucking fuck your weird. mom anymore. I'm like, this is so weird. I'm like, how did this conversation happen? I'm like, this is the woman I've been seeing, son. Like, what the yeah, fuck? Like mom, mom thinks you're cheating on the on her with the woman down at the bar. Like, no, son, I'm the woman I love's out here in the kelp forest. Like, what the fuck? Because yeah. again, it's it's like again, I openly admit cynical, and that that's kind of my my sheer or you know sheen on this whole thing. But I'm like, the way he presents it, it sounds like that. Like the way he talks about, it, and then I got brought my son down to meet her, and I'm like, it just sounds like. Again, a man having an affair or another family and like this, I'm having my two families meet. I'm like, it's just again, it is just it is an experience. This the documentary is a fucking experience. That is the only way I can really talk about it. And I again, I have never it's a movie experience. (laughs) I don't want to short sell it. It it is moving at times. But if you look too closely, you start having a lot of questions. Mm hmm. Um, and okay, yeah. so let me. Can I just roll into my chop shop real let's, quick, then, because this fits perfectly. Okay, yeah, let's let's jump right into some choppy. So the way I would want to kind of reshape this movie is I'm looking at it. Let's look at it through the wife's perspective. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's plenty of movies that a wife is wondering what the husband is up to. I'm thinking about uh, what lies beneath with Harrison Ford Mm -hmm. and Michelle Pfeiffer. Yep. Uh, Just throw that out as an example. Um, but I'm envisioning a thriller where the wife is her husband seems oddly invigorated. He 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 used to be a, a limp dick, wet noodle type, and all of a sudden he's reinvigorated, he's getting into shape. Uh, you know, he's got a tan, he's dressing better, and she's wondering what the fuck is going on with him. He's slipping out at all hours of the night. He's talking about, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm going out on the ocean. I'm I'm working on my next film. I just gotta get some octopussy. Well, she assumes uh, he's getting some pussy, all right. So she's one night she decides I'm gonna follow him out. It's 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 one a.m. He thinks she's asleep. She's faking it. You know, it's the classic. He looks up. She's got her eyes closed, but then one eye opens and she's waiting for him to leave. He gets his gigantic flippers and he walks down to the kelp forest. But she's she's behind. She's trailing behind. Maybe there's a 
some lightning in the background. There's a storm off the coast coming in, and he expects she expects him to go to some sort of like shack down on the beach, like all oh, this. He's cheating on me with some sort of woman who lives down by the beach, and then wait, all of a sudden he's just getting into the ocean. Mm-hmm. There's big flippers, and she's like, "Well, shit, I'm not a I'm not a strong swimmer like my husband is, but I'm gonna follow him." Like, who who is he fucking? Some sort of woman with is this a Bond villain? She's got some sort of underwater layer that he's swimming to. Mm-hmm. She she follows him down because I don't know if you remember the scene in this movie where he's swimming in the dark the kelp forest because fuck that number one why the <laughs> fuck would you ever do that right after the scene where he talks about there's still predators out there yeah no, no i totally remember the scene yeah I, incredibly eerie hmm. incredibly eerie i could see this in a fictional film as he's swimming through and she's thinking like where are we going she follows him all the way down and finds she gets there comes through the kelp she she kind of uses her hands to part the kelp and there's her husband balls deep in an octopus and so, she's just wait, like so in your chop shop he actually fucks the octopus it's not just she finds out that he's having an emotional he's having a physical affair with the octopus as well absolutely yeah and then now she's on a revenge tip against this octopus but if we're gonna go this route the tiny octopus that it's is fucking her, this, this home movie, this fucking home wrecker octopus it's a homewrecker octopus, but she's not enough of a villain to break up this home. Mm-mm. She's just the daughter of the main octopus, okay? There's a big fucking, like, Kraken-level octopus out there that's that's sinking fucking cruise ships, <laughs> that's sinking fucking uh, aircraft carriers. The woman gets revenge and kills this octopus in a fury. The husband does his business and swims off, and she just can't take it. Like, okay, I can... You're going to cheat on me, that's fine. But you're going to cheat on me with a fucking mollusk? Okay, I'm going to kill that mollusk. In a violent rage, she kills the mollusk that's featured in this movie. Okay, but then either, okay, you could have it be the father, the mother, some sort of relative. I'm going to say brother. I'm going to say brother because, you know, the standard octopus only has a three to five year. Even the big ones have a three to five year lifespan. I think the brother comes up. Yeah, in the movie mentions it's one in, you know, half a million babies and maybe a handful survive. Mm-hmm. These are these are the only two that survived. It's the brother and the the octopus that's featured in this movie that is then killed by the jealous wife. Oh, now the brother's yeah. got to get revenge. And you got you got it's the last of the bloodline. You, you got you got to set that up too with like an earlier scene with uh, with Craig and the octopus like with pillow talk where she's like talking about you know her brother and how her her brother is the only thing that kept her alive all this time. It's like established that he's like a badass octopus. Exactly, and the brother is into hey. We're two in a billion, okay? We got to make sure the bloodline continues. You got to find somebody. The brother's upset. Why are you messing with this human? You can't reproduce. You can't have octopus babies with this human. So he never approved of it, but he kind of just went off and did his own thing. And then, oh, look, he was right. She got killed because of this relationship, because of a jealous wife. So now he's got to come after the wife, which if you've seen Jaws the Revenge, it, it presents a whole challenge when... The villain is an ocean-bound creature. Uh-huh. The hero or protagonist is a land-bound mammal. 
from there, you know, you have to get real creative. But I'm just looking at it. The brother of the octopus in this movie is seeking revenge on Foster and his wife for killing the octopus that's what i'm looking at i see at a certain point in order to get the mother and maybe even craig too because he blames both of them in order to get them back into the ocean he somehow has to like he has to get the sun into the ocean and he kidnaps the sun and the sun is like tied up it's tied up in in the kelp forest so now mom and dad have to go try and save the sun and there's there's this badass fucking octopus just waiting just waiting you know I think at the end of the day, though, it's kind of like the Macaulay Culkin film, The Good Son. Where Foster's wife has to realize, my husband's no good. I've got to save my son. My my husband has to die in this. So basically, uh, Foster, our our quote-unquote protagonist of this this film, he dies. The wife saves the kid, and then there's some sort of mutual understanding between the octopus brother and and the wife and the son that are left. And then, hey, maybe you roll that into Aquaman. Maybe this is the DC origin of Aquaman. Roll credits. Okay, I like it. Okay, There you go. There's my chop shop. What do you got for me? All right, so not to tip my hand we kind of went in the same direction when when you went with the love story i thought i thought i liked uh i like with that but then it took a it took a turn for where i went with my chop shop all right Okay. So I went with a found footage revenge movie because I wanted to try and take some of the shots, some of the footage that maybe Craig Foster has from his, his exploits. So, you know, uh, we have some backstory about him and, and the octopus and all that. You know, uh, the movie opens up with all that. He's, you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes into the movie. He's having a great day with his octopus lady. He, you know, he's having to go up for air because he, he can only hold his breath for six minutes. His octopusy? Uh, his octopusy, you know, it's his only octopusy, all right? It's exclusive. So he goes up for air, gets a big old breath. He's got a big old smile on his face. Feel good moment for the audience, right? He puts his head back underwater, goes to dive down, and he sees her being attacked by the Lights Out gang, a ruthless group of pajama sharks that live just on the outskirts <laughs> of the kelp forest, all right? He has to watch in horror as she is killed, all right? But he, you know, in this moment, he rushes in to try and stop them and save her, but he gets caught in the kelp forest, right? It's just, it's all over the place. He kind of gets like, like a little, little mixed up in the seaweed. Yeah, dor- disoriented, a little, a little mixed up in it. And uh, before he has a, an opportunity to cut himself loose from it, uh, they, they basically, they devour her, you know? Uh, I haven't decided in the movie if there should be a moment where, like, there's pieces of her where he goes down and kind of caresses and holds her, or if it should just be, like, they eat her whole and she's just gone. Like, there's just nothing left, right? That's, we'll see what happens in the writing room floor, right? This is, we're just pitching well, right now. We're just pitching. Okay, can I, can I maybe add a note for the script? Absolutely, let's hear it. Maybe in his moment of, like, I need to seek revenge, you know how those, those moments where they scream up to the sky? Mm-hmm. He's at the bottom of the ocean. He just decides, you know what? I'm going to have some fucking sushi right now. I'm just going to fucking eat her corpse. And this is going to motivate me. And he oh, screams wow. to the top of the water as he's devouring her body with some sake and uh, some okay. wasabi. It replaces that scene of her blood being all over him because the octopus doesn't bleed. So it's just kind of like he's got like the tentacles hanging out of his mouth or yes, something. Okay. Okay. I can, yeah. I, I can dig that. So, um, so uh, you know, 
let's see here. Uh, it's too late. He is seen. Okay, the next scene is him crawling out of the water, right, on his hands and and feet. He just kind of falls over onto his back, just just sobbing, crying, right, because of what just happened. Uh, uh, he goes into a deep depression. You know, one that basic, the, the same depression that put him in the kelp forest to begin with. Weeks go by. At some point, you know, he's he's laying in bed and he overhears the TV, a news program talking about pajama sharks, right? Maybe maybe in Discovery Channel or National Geographic's going on in the background. And this is the moment, okay? And we pan into his face, right? And it goes from these tear-filled eyes to just eyes filled with rage, all right? So the next scene is him at like maybe an army navy store or some shit like that. Maybe it's just a, a, a tackle shop. I'm not sure. But he's buying a bunch of harpoons, giant knives, and a scuba tank. Uh, he's already discussed that he doesn't like to do the scuba because he needs to move freely, right? But he knows he's going to be down underwater for a while, right? Because this is a revenge film now. So he's got a scuba tank. The cashier looks at him, says, oh, you know, you're going deep sea fishing? He just looks up. Just blood, blood rage eyes. Doesn't say a thing. Movie cuts, right? So now we go into, um, basically I'm thinking a montage. Uh, we can go man on fire style of him just murdering pajama sharks. I, at one point it actually does go full montage. I'm thinking uh, Sweet Dreams are made of these by the Arrhythmics is playing overhand. I like the juxtaposition of kind of more of an upbeat song there with him just brutally murdering pajama sharks. Um, or should I say... The lights out gang all right he's not he's not you know he, it's the light he, he's going after a certain group of these sharks right so um just when you know craig thinks he's eradicated the forest the kelp forest of all these sharks one more swims out and this shark has a very familiar pattern on it okay travis this is the motherfucker that ate her all right craig gives chase but this isn't a punk shark travis all right and Craig, he gets caught in the fucking kelp forest again. It's a callback to the beginning of the movie, all right? And as he's, he's still got the oxygen tank, but as he's trying to get himself loose, right, the fucking, the, the, the big bad pajama shark comes in, fucking bites his oxygen, you know, hose. And suddenly he's just, he's panicking. There's there's bubbles going everywhere. He's, he's freaking out. There's kelp going all over the place. And it's just like, you just see the kind of the shark swim off. Almost like that, that uh, the movie of like an explosion scene behind it. You just see just chaos behind the shark. This shark has just a fucking smug look on its face, right? It just, it killed Craig, right? Mm -hmm. But all of a sudden, he looks back. And the bubbles, they go to the surface. All of the, the kelp starts to fall down and there's fucking craig no oxygen tank he's cut it loose and he's got a fucking harpoon in hand and he fucking looks that shark right in the eye and fires winks at it and fires the harpoon right through its fucking heart right kills the fucking pajama shark and its smug little look and the movie basically ends or no it craig he looks up and he mutters underwater he just says a heart for a heart and then the movie ends with like a home movies esque montage of like him and the octopus and how they were so happy together. <laughs> That's my chop shop for this movie. Oh, well done. Well fucking done. It's like, uh, wait, we've already seen it with Jaws, but taking it below the water level yeah. you know what's what's going on beneath the surface oh yeah he's going to their both home craig's marriage <laughs> and the ocean <laughs> <laughs>
So we both managed to to basically go the revenge route. Very different ways, though. Oh, it, it begs the question to me: what? It just feels like Craig could be quote-unquote the protagonist or lead of a lot of movies like <laughs> just imagine all the michael douglas early 90s or late 80s thrillers like imagine basic instinct but it's michael douglas pursuing an octopus well it's just because i feel like he comes off as kind of uh, i don't want to say weaker man I, I think that's kind of that's disingenuous but kind you of like him a cuck. I, did, him a I did cuck, call him right, an octo cuck right. but like he comes he's coming from a, a, a place of weakness at the beginning of the movie like he's lost he has no direction and then all of a sudden he finds the love like a love of his life the love of his life i don't know what you want to say our relationship that gives him meaning again and then it's taken away from him and in that instance like he just feels like the character who needs to get you know some kind of closure for that yeah, no, 100%. It, it, I want to comment further, but I, I want to save it for the... What level did we recommend this movie if we do? I am curious, though, did this, as a documentary, uh, since, you know, Inside Baseball, this is the first foray on the Hollywood Chop Shop of a documentary, do documentaries have taglines? So here's the thing, uh, Travis, they don't. So I came up with a, a side a side game for you. There was two things that we were gonna the, we were gonna do uh, come back with you know uh, tagline um, and then we were also gonna start a, this is gonna be the episode we started doing market watch where we were going to talk about how much the movie cost, how much they spent on marketing, and how much the movie made. Uh, none of that is available for a documentary that went straight to Netflix. So we'll have to wait till the next episode to get into that <laughs> segment. Um, but here we go. Instead of giving you a tagline. I'm going to give you three quotes, and I need you to tell me which quote came from my teacher, or my octopus teacher, or what the movie should have been called, My Octopus Lover, um, <laughs> which I think and was the original name of the... Aside, yeah? That should be the title. I assume that was the title, and they're like, no, it's not getting very good reception. No one wants to watch a movie called My Octopus Lover, so he kind of, you know, had to call it My Octopus Teacher, because... Again, the way he talks about the octopus, it is much more a a you know a love lover relationship than a teaching one. Not to say those could be mutually exclusive, but you know. All right. Uh, now I'm wondering if that's what he originally pitched, and Netflix was like, "Hey, we really like what you have, but let's just work on that title." But I digress. Please <laughs> go ahead. All right. So here's your three quotes. Get ready for them. Okay. Well, she's out there somewhere. I just. I just haven't found her yet. I don't understand. That was the first one. Next one is, I don't understand. All my life I've been waiting for someone, and when I find her, she's she's a fish. And the third one is, what she taught me was to feel that you're part of this place, not a visitor. <clears throat> I'm sorry. What 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 are the rules of the game? What am I trying I to figure out? I need you to tell me which. Said? Yeah, what was the quote from this movie? <laughs> it could be all three. <laughs> you could name seven more just generic. I'm in love and I'm 14 years old, and I would believe that they were for this. Oh God. Oh God. I can read them to you again if you want. I think it was the third one. All right, you're right. It's, it was the third. What she taught me was to feel that you're part of this place, not a visitor. 
Now, the other one was, uh, well, she's out there somewhere. I just, I just haven't found her yet. Was Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid. And um, I don't understand. All my life, I've been waiting for someone, and when I find her, she's she's a fish. Was Alan from the movie Splash? Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> this genre was already covered. We didn't realize yeah. it, but it was already covered. So it's funny that you brought up uh, what is it? The the Shape of Water? Because as we were watching this, I legitimately thought, like, maybe we should, uh, maybe I should call Travis and we should change this trilogy to uh, I'm in love with a fish trilogy instead of the teacher trilogy because as i was watching i'm like we could do the shape of water and then we could do like a fish called wanda or something like that but I, there was definitely that moment where i was like maybe maybe we should change the trilogy after watching this one what's the one with tom hanks was it that's splash it that's splash, oh, that is splash. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah who would have thought a lot of dudes just want to fuck fish mm-hmm well, I guess in in the case of Shape of Water, some women want to fuck fish. It's okay. true. Yeah, it's twenty twenty one, man. You know, let's not be sexist <laughs> or fishist right, so or speciesist. I, <laughs> I think now is the point where we decide if we're going to recommend how we recommend this movie. I I don't know if it's on DVD, um, but that doesn't mean if you know if it will we'll take it as if it were on DVD, would you purchase this movie um, or any other? You know, we we try not to to categorize that too hard but like how would you recommend you know uh absorbing this movie if you would and, and would you own it i guess is, is really what we're looking for oh i feel like usually this is an easy category to classify um this one's tough i this movie as is is worthwhile like it is a fun if you just want to view it through the lens of a national geographic documentary it's fun that way it's it's kind of fun to just see what occurs you know 10 to 50 feet below surface level of the ocean so in that sense i think it's worth keeping a streaming service that it's available on i think the movie we described, both of us, I, I just wish there were more there on the human element. Uh, there's so much to me, there's so much meat on the bone as to describe the human condition, you know, what you do when you're in a midlife crisis, uh, you know, how you handle marriage if, if you're not fulfilled. There's so many questions that this movie asks and are just below the surface, no pun intended. But I just feel like the, all they do is focus on the ocean element. So... As is, I think it's worth revisiting on stream every now and then. I, I think the potential is here for a real great movie that you would want to own. It's a commentary on this person, Craig Foster, but that movie is not what's actually committed to to film. So I like it. Watch it on stream. It's worth it. I would never own it because there's so much depth that we, we have not explored here. Yeah, I, I would say this is a movie I would definitely recommend seeing just for the fact it is so, so very different. Um, it is an experience like nothing I have I have ever had in a, a movie going atmosphere. I um my biggest complaint is is still that I do feel like they focus way too much on the relationship or basically again it is the documentary is almost just Craig recounting what happened. And I think that there's 
there's so much more just about, again, kind of someone going through burnout or, or you know, midlife crisis and like where they, they turn to and how they find meaning and things like there's just there's so much more to the story and what it meant to Craig that I felt like they decided not to focus on. I don't know if it's just because one of those like, oh, you've never heard of a man having a relationship with an octopus. Let's focus on that because it's so different. But I'm like, I just felt like this was really it, it was a vehicle for a lot of other discussions, especially kind of you could really go into like a, a deep dive on kind of like mental uh, people's mental capacity and like when they are vulnerable and stuff like that. And it, it just it never really commits to that. It only commits to. It, it's almost like, you know, when you're watching those crime draw or like a the crime true crime dramas and stuff like that and they're talking and it's like this is a dramatic reenactment like that's a lot of this movie just feels like a dramatic reenactment of his relationship with the octopus over 300 plus days and i'm like i would have much rather gotten more about what the octopus taught him because even you know my octopus teacher and that line that i said like it still feels tacked on at the end it's like well we have to it can't just literally be a movie of him recounting the relationship so it has to be we have to say he learned something i'm like because he should have learned a lot of shit resilience after the you know she got her fucking arm ripped off by a shark and survived and like continued to like you know about trust and being like there's so much more he should have learned and i guess that's what i was expecting from my octopus teacher and like i said at the end it just feels like he just added like oh i learned that uh humans in nature are cool and there's uh fragile things and um well maybe i should be a dad and it's just like there's I'm like it just feels like they just didn't know where they were going with it. Again, it was my octopus lover. Like, well, what about my octopus teacher? Like, I, I guess I can do some some VO real quick about I learned something. It's like it just it it doesn't it doesn't manifest to what it could be, but it is definitely worth watching. Yeah, I think that there are there are plenty of documentaries out there that show us the nat you know, the beauty of nature. Uh, you know, uh, Attenborough, Richard Attenborough stuff. You know, uh, Blue Planet, a ton of Natural Geographic stuff. That that's been covered at length. I think this documentary had an opportunity to oddly position the actual relationship between a person and an animal. Because, I mean, I imagine people that have a, a cat or a dog that they're very close to, I imagine that they'll watch this and see that connection <laughs> Maybe. present between those two. Maybe, well, you know what I mean. I, you, let's, well, let's even that. You, that he wants to yeah, fuck the usually, octopus. Usually that's like a child relationship or something. Not, not a lover. No, I've never wanted to fuck my dog, but I do love no. my dog. <laughs> I'm just saying an adult could look at this situation and think I could have a healthy relationship where I'm not like taking time away from my spouse to spend time with this animal, mm -hmm. but could also look at it like, yeah, this is a, a good view of nature. But this, this situation is so specific that I would rather focus on the individual that is Craig as opposed to just making it a generic documentary. Oh, but absolutely, yeah. He, st he, start he started a foundation. I understand that for him, this is probably just a marketing tool. But I would just rather see the kind of weird one-off story of a man feeling this passionately about an octopus. All joking aside, maybe he doesn't want to fuck the octopus. But if this is truly what led him to have a change in his life, I want to focus on that part of it. I want to see the out of the ocean side of things a lot more than this documentary gives us, which is to say it gives us none. Mm -hmm. 
Yep, for sure. So, yeah, like we said, I think it is it is definitely something worth watching. It is it is, but there there was the potential of so much more. Like I, said, I would have loved to have seen a multi episode like the Tiger King, like a multi episode where we just kind of, like you said looked more at Craig and what he was going through and how he coped with it. And then kind of what he learned and how he, it changed his life. And you, you don't get that from this, this movie. And yeah, I, I guess the last thing I would say is it's kind of disappointing that this is the, the Oscar winner for a documentary of 2020, because this feels like a nice little documentary, but I feel like if you're going to win documentary of the year in any capacity, it has to be some more it has to be a deeper exploration of the human element at least in my opinion which this movie doesn't have it's a fun documentary but if you're like hey this is an academy award-winning documentary and that's how you're viewing it you're going to be disappointed that's my overall take yeah i was going to try and real quick and see while you brought that up what it was up against 20, and that's a tw- great question. 2020 was a was a real fucking shit year. So, let's see. Is there a pandemic or something? <laughs> it went up against Collective, Crip Camp, The Mole Agent, and Time. Now, of course, I don't have... What is it? Crip Camp's the only one I've heard of. I'll give you the synopsis of I all... I believe that was a Michelle Obama... Uh, production so collective she was involved collective was director alexander nanoa follows a crack team of investigators at the romanian newspaper gazeta uh as they try to uncover a vast healthcare fraud that enriched moguls and politicians and led to the deaths of innocent people all right um crip camp down the road from woodstock revolution blossomed at a ramshackle summer camp for teenagers with disabilities transforming their lives and igniting a landmark movement that feels like a feel-good documentary the mole agent a private investigator in chile hires someone to work as a mole at a retirement home where a client of his suspects the caretakers of elder abuse I mean, the poster for that one looked like it was a comedy, but I feel like that's going to be a real downer. And then time was Fox Rich fights for the release of her husband, Rob, who is serving a 60-year sentence in prison. So those, that's what it was up against. Yeah, I'll never watch any of those. <laughs> they all sound like pretty generic doc- And I guess, again, that's why I thought it kind of won. Is like, I have never seen a documentary like my octopus teacher no i certainly haven't and i haven't seen a documentary where i would rather make another documentary based on the documentary which is what's going on in this guy's personal life so that's my takeaway an inception documentary but not a documentary on inception all right with that let's uh call it a day thank you all for joining us and uh yeah, we'll what be is, back uh, next what week. What is next week? Is that uh, is that the faculty? I think next week is the faculty. All right. Unless you want to change Josh it up. Arnett. Unless you want to change it up and do Fish Fucker the trilogy. <laughs> but I feel like we're just gonna stick with uh, teachers. I'm actually when we get done recording, I'm just gonna fuck a can of sardines. So we can stick with uh, the faculty next week. All right. Fair enough. 
Bye, everybody. I'm gonna ne neglect my family for that that can of sardines. So yeah. Mm -hmm. See you next week. Bye. I'm kind of worried that you're going to say something about him wanting to fuck the octopus. <laughs> <laughs>